Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. This show exists to help you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's jump into today's episode. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you, where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Ushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. What's up, y'all? All All right. This is going to be a different kind of episode. They're all kind of different, aren't they, though? Try to make each one real special for everybody. Uh, But this one's especially different in that I'm going to try to record it all at once because I just just want it to be an authentic download of my heart to yours. Downloading this good stuff onto your heart drive. I'm sorry. I'm not even a pun guy. I don't know. (laughs) It came to me. I went with it. That's what happened. But I just want to get this off my chest because I'm, uh, I feel really passionate about this topic and uh, I'm in the UK right now and I'm just stepping out away from the fam um, from my brother-in-law and his partner and the fun times and I'm going to go straight back into the fun times but I wanted to get this out so here's what it is if I asked you what are you good at could you answer me do you know what you're really good at and I don't just mean oh you're an illustrator so you're good at drawing like it takes a lot more than being good at drawing to be an illustrator it takes you know 
uh, what do you, are you good at figuring out new fresh things? Like are you diving into culture and kind of on the edge of how things are changing and growing and bringing new things into, uh, into the world? Are you, you know, do you have good strategy? Are you, do you have an eye for color? Do you have uh, an ability to connect on an emotional level? Do you have a, an ability to see things differently than other people? Are you a learner? Are you a connector? Do you connect people and ideas and collaborations? Like, you, it, you know, what you're good at uh, and knowing what you're good at is a complete game changer. And uh, if I asked you, A, would you know what you're good at? And B, would you be able to talk about it with confidence? Have you really owned what you're good at? Because, uh, you know, I'm reminded of this. There's a book by the philosopher Alan Watts who he ta- he says uh, the title of the book is On the Taboo of Knowing Who You Really Are. And uh, I think there is a real taboo in self-reflection, knowing yourself, owning what you're good at. I think that our whole society and culture actually creates giant obstacles between you and your true self, your your knowledge of your true self, really owning what you're really good at. And I think it's a, a detriment because I think it's the meaning of life to unearth who you are and what you have to give. Hello. Oh, I'm sorry. You didn't think about that, did you? Say hi. No. Sophie's in the room. We're just going to keep it. No. <laughs> laundry. Laundry. La- this is the real behind the scenes. Okay. Sophie's just going to grab some laundry and we're just going to keep going. Um, but now I can't remember what I was talking about. I'm doing an episode on how it's really important to own, to know and own what you're good at. Right? <laughs> what are you good at? <laughs> she, won't <laughs> she won't have any comment. This is the behind the scenes episode. This is where you're getting to really know the truth. I'm actually in our little British room where we have a bed and a dresser, and that's all that can fit in it. Right? She's falling over into the laundry basket. <laughs> this is good stuff. Thank you. Bye. Bye. There you go. Told you it's real. This is the real episode. Um, <laughs> what was I talking? I was just talking about uh, how there's a taboo of of knowing what you're good at, owning what you're good at, and I think that. Um, I think there's a I think that's a major major problem because like Picasso says the meaning of life is to find your gift and because we have this taboo of you know saying it's not good to reflect on yourself it's not good to think about yourself it's narcissistic or it's um navel gazing or or whatever uh, I think a lot of people lead meaningless lives I think a lot of people you know like Thoreau would say lead lives of quiet desperation. And I think it comes from uh, not giving yourself the permission to really own who you are, what you're great at, uh, 
being, you know, having some real confidence in that enough to work at it and be a master over what you can do. Uh, and uh, in this episode, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to do the the work, and I want to give you some tools that I've used to help unearth some truth about who I am, what I'm good at, uh, and uh, and and how to start the long journey of mastering those things because I think it is the game changer. You know, I think about Superman every once in a while and I, th- I think about what is Superman's most important, strongest, most powerful superpower. And you might say it's the x-ray vision or it might be the, I think he's got laser vision as well as x-ray vision. Maybe you think it's his super strength or his ability to fly. I say, nay, none of those can compete with Superman's superhuman self-awareness and self-knowledge. Because if Superman hadn't gone on this giant journey of self-discovery, discovering his true strengths, he wouldn't know any of his superpowers. Just think about it. The difference between Clark Kent growing up on Kent Farm and, you know, he was probably a super good farmer uh, the difference between that and superhero Superman saving the universe, what's the difference between those two people? It's not the powers. They actually had the same abilities. He had the same superpowers when he was on the farm. He just didn't know about it. And so I want to convince you that you are not just a super good creative farmer you can fly but if you don't know about it you won't you'll be just like Clark Kent from Smallville they had me watching that show I never liked it you know no offense to anybody that worked on it in case you know in case Chloe I know Chloe from Superman from Smallville she just got into loads of trouble all kinds of terrible. We're not going to go there. It was so bad. But in case she's in prison listening to this podcast right now, no offense, but I didn't really like the show that much. I just kept watching because I'm waiting for the moment where Clark Kent finally figures out that he can fly. And I see so many creative, uh, super good farmers walking around, you know, living lives of quiet desperation never really putting in the work to see how they can fly. And so in this episode, I just want to give you a few tricks and tips, some tools that have helped me unearth uh, what I think are my greatest creative superpowers. And the truth is, when I started this journey, I didn't. When I started back in 2005, before I went to school, and then even 2008 when I left school, I really had barely scratched the surface on what I think are my true creative superpowers. And I feel like I'm dis- I discover more every year the more that I dedicate myself to this journey of uh, discovering my strengths and, and refining and, and commanding my creative superpowers.
you don't want to be like Clark Kent stuck on the farm. You know, it's great if you can really throw a bale of hay. It's great if you're faster than a speeding tractor, more powerful than a cow, able to leap a really tall barn in one single leap, but you're made for more than that. Don't give up there. Don't let yourself stay there. So the first thing that I'm going to tell you uh, that I think you should do is you should quit looking for answers and start looking for questions. I'm a real collector of really good questions that shake you up, that help you see new things in you, help you see beyond the persona that you have put on and convinced yourself that you are and get to the bottom of who you really are and what your real strengths are. If you've listened to this podcast for very long, I know that you uh, I know that you know that I'm a big fan of self-assessment quizzes and tests. You know, I like uh, the Myers-Briggs. I like the DISC. I like Enneagram. I like uh, StrengthsFinder. They've all been extremely good tools. But the truth is, I don't think they can give you any answers. What I do think they're really good at is giving you great questions to start wrestling with the truth of who you are. You know, I think we often, when we start asking ourselves, who are we, we, we try to go to the experts to find out who we are. But the truth is, there can't possibly be any experts on who you are because you've never existed. Experts can only exist if they've had sufficient time, uh, you know, with the specimen that they're studying. But there is no expert on you because you've never existed. But these people can give you expert questions that help you unearth your strengths and weaknesses. And so I'll give you a few of my favorite uh, questions that have helped me do this work. One is... um, you know, where do you get your energy? Where, what moves you? What, what fills you up? What gets you excited? You know, I'm as a creative person, uh, one of the questions I have, I, I create a catalog of the things that move me to tears, the things that make me laugh, the, t- you know, what, what type of sense of humor I have, uh, what, what type of, you know, what, what I'm trying to think of what the opposite of a sense of humor is the sense of, Tears. I don't. <laughs> what moves you to joy? What moves you to tears? What tugs on your heartstrings? I try to take a catalog of these things so I can do unto others as I like done to me. You know the things that make me laugh. I like to do that kind of sense of humor in my work. And what are the things that move me to tears? I try to pass those on to other people. And uh, and so I try to keep a catalog of those things. I try to think about. You know, are you a theory guy or are you a hands on guy? or girl, a guy I'm using in the non-gendered sense, uh, however you are. You know what? I, I know I'm a theory guy. That's why I have my head in the clouds. That's why I'm obsessed with invisible things. It's because I'm, I'm not, and that's why I like doing talks more than I like doing workshops. I can get into doing workshops, but usually I'm workshopping something that's not so hands-on, something that you're, you know, thought experiments, wrestling with ideas. I know that about myself um, only from asking these big questions. Um, are you? Do you make decisions with your feelings, or do you make them? Do you make feelings? Do you make feelings with your thoughts? That sounds philosophical. 
sounds like an invisible thing. No, do you make decisions with your feelings or do you make decisions with your thoughts? Um, do you, uh, another question that I think about a lot that I think this is one of my all time favorite questions and it comes from Tony Robbins. Uh, and I think it cuts through your persona down to your true self. He always asks people, uh, do you, who did you have to be to gain the affection of your parents, especially the parent that you really had to work for their affection? Who did you have to become to get their affection? For me, I think I always felt like for my mom, uh, you know, I think I spent the first 16, 17 years of my life trying to gain the affection of my mom. And I think I had to be the cool person to, to you know, the the popular kid, the 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 person that everybody liked, the person that was funny and, and attention grabbing. That's who I had to be to get the attention of my mom. And then I think I felt like I had to get, I had to be successful to gain the appreciation of my dad, even though, you know, he was, a, he was always... I think he was always good at giving me uh, unconditional favor and love. Um, I think I switched gears when I was about 18 and started focusing on success, thinking that that's what I needed to do to gain the affection of my dad. And somewhere beyond both of those things, those th- both of those things became stuff that was true about me that I took on, but it maybe wasn't my true self. And so I collect questions and I, I kind of disregard the answers. I think... Um, these these tests, if you're looking for answers from there, I think you're going to run into this catch-22 because it can't possibly uh, tell you who you are when it needs you to know who you are to answer the questions accurately. So it kind of breaks down from the get-go. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think there, there are tools with limitations. You know, they, I've heard it said that every framework is a lie, but some frameworks are helpful. And I think all of these uh, self-assessment tools and questions, they, they require you to show up. You are like Frodo, and they are like Samwise Gamgee. I think that's his name. And, Ga- and Gandalf. I was gonna, is Gandalf in Lord of the Rings? Yeah. can never remember if it's Gandalf or... Yeah, they can, those, these, these assessments, um, these questions, they can get you to Mount, Mount Mordor. (laughs) I'm not a Lord of the Rings guy. I know it's not Mount Mordor. I'm just trying to mess with you, screw with you. I think it's Mount, Mount Doom, (laughs) mountain in Lord of the Rings. I don't know, but they can get you to the mountain, but you got to wrestle with Schmeagle, Gollum. You got to, you have to be the one. Uh, to answer the question, you have to be the one that throws the ring in, so to speak. No one else can do it for you. So quit looking for answers and look for questions and then wrestle with them. Um, number two, the second thing I think that's really helped me is cut the bark, cut the BS and look for the bite. You know, I think when it comes to our identity we settle for or we latch on to uh, buzzwords and things that sound fancy. You know, uh, um, enhancers of UX, UI. I don't know what these things are, guys. All right, and I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a code guy, but I feel like every time I hear someone talk about user experience, I feel like they're selling me something. Um, and I think you got to go beyond the buzzwords, go beyond the bark, and really have bite. 
You know, I did a, uh, when I was at 99U, I did a workshop with Red Antler and uh, they're a branding agency. They've worked with Google and Casper and all kinds of really great brands. And I had a, I had a great time. It's my kind of thing to sit there and, and wrestle with ideas. And they were teaching us how to, how they came up with new names that really work for a brand. And one of the things that they do is they say, every business has to solve a problem. So if you want to be a creative person that's thriving, you, you got to be in business and it can't just be about solving your own problems of expressing yourself or, or solving your own boredom because you want to make pictures for a living. It's got to be useful to other people. And I think it's my experience that the clearer you are about the problem you're trying to solve, the better you are at solving it. You know, um, it's really hard to hit a, t a target when you're blindfolded or you don't know what the target is. And so, uh, and that's true for creativity. And I think that's why comedians are masters of their craft because they have a, such a clear target. And uh, I think you need to know what problems are you good at solving? Like what, because it's not going to just be, oh, I'm good at writing music. Like, well, what are you, what part of writing music are you good at? Are you someone who is an excellent melody writer or are you really just more of a singer? You know, are you, uh, are you a musician that is kind of a slice of life kind of person that brings humor to your songs? Or are you someone who makes people cry? Like, I think you've got to really dig into um, what problems are you trying to solve? And when we were in that workshop, they taught us this uh, tactic that I want to share with you, which is uh, that all the problems we're solving are all meaningful in light of the fact that we're all going to die <laughs> and, uh, and that it's all about um, ultimately comes down to the fear of death. And so we did a, uh, we were supposed to come up with what's the problem that we're really trying to solve when people are looking for a really good rug. And you, you basically start with, well, people need rugs. And then you ask yourself, why? Why do they need rugs? Well, because they want to be cozy. Well, why do they want to be cozy? Well, you know, they're they're making their homes uh, a cozy place because when they're at work, they're stressed. And so they need a retreat. And so, well, why do they need a retreat? Well, if they're stressed out all the time, if they're stressed and uncomfortable at work and they're stressed and uncomfortable at home, then they're going to they're gonna leave lives of stress and end up having a heart attack and end up dying. And so that's why they need to be cozy. And so we started coming up with this idea that selling rugs was really about creating this sanctuary, uh, this sanctuary of coziness. And that was the problem we were trying to solve. And the clearer we are about that, the more we can sell it, the more we can explain it to others. And ultimately, the better we'll be at the job. And so... Um, you know, if you're an illustrator or a designer or a musician or whatever, I think it's not good enough to stop at um, the self-knowledge of you being good at music or design or whatever. You need to you need to know a clearer, more specific uh, understanding of what are you really good at. What are the, what's the problem you're really trying to solve? You know, when I think about um, I feel like I'm good at grappling with invisible things. I've talked about that for a few episodes in a row. Um, I, you're going to hear me talk about it a billion times because I think it's—I honestly think it's my ultimate purpose. And the reason I think it's 
important and the problem it really solves in the face of the fact that we're all going to die is that I think invisible things are the most important things to us, but we're such visual creatures. You know, a large percentage of our brain is dedicated to what we can see. And yet the things that are most important to us are things we can't see. You know, you can see your family, but it's the it's the ideas of family. It's what family means in our hearts. That's what's important. And, uh, you know, I think this is why I love the show Parenthood, because parenthood is um, so good at it's parenthood's kind of like all of the power of a funeral without anyone having to die. When I would watch this show, Parenthood, which is about having kids and family and all all the important invisible things in our life, um, I would just bawl my eyes out every single week watching this show. And it was almost like going to a funeral, but without anyone dying and every week remembering how important relationships are. Um, which can be an invisible force in our life that's easy to ignore. It's easy to get, um, you know, focus on the visible things, taking the trash out, making money, uh, doing the work, and ignore the relational um, uh, transcendence that can happen in every day. And uh, that's what I loved about parenthood. And that's kind of what I want to do in my talks and in my in my drawing. And that's what I feel like I'm good at. I feel like I'm grappling with. Uh, in my illustration, I'm showing you things that you couldn't see any other way. Ideas, um, y- you know, uh, themes, the, these big picture things. Um, and that's what I think I'm really good at. I think I'm good at understanding. And here, I, wanna, I want you to know I'm bragging on purpose. And actually, the word bragging, even though I think, yeah, it's not nice when people brag and it, and it can be annoying and it can be it can be totally ba- a bad thing, but I think the word brag as a derogatory term for for knowing what you're good at, um, I think is is part of the problem and part of why we refuse to unravel these things. And so I'm kind of just, I'm bragging a little bit and owning and having some confidence in the fact that, you know what, I'm good at grappling with big ideas. I'm good at grappling with those invisible things and I'm doing it to give you permission to do the same. So no, don't let people shame you into ignoring what you're good at and so i think that tactic of um knowing the problem you're going to solve and and how it means something in the face of death that we're all going to die like why we have this short life what does what you do mean something and keep asking yourself you know say oh i'm good at music well why does that matter well people need music for this you know Keep asking yourself why until you get to the bottom of it. Number three, final one, last one I'm going to leave you with is uh, look in the places in you that you least want to. Uh, I think that there's a good trick here that you might have a breakthrough with about some self-knowledge. Um, and it's concerned with shame. It's concerned with the parts of you that you're afraid to acknowledge, your shadow side, the invisible side, the dark side. And I don't mean dark side like the bad things, but I mean the places that you don't want to go. Uh, jo- Joseph Campbell would say, the, tr- the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. Uh, and I think that that's often true when it comes to self-knowledge, when it comes to um, owning your true superpowers and strengths, I think they're hiding in the places that we don't want to look. And uh, I think that 
a really good way of explaining this uh, and what I think happens in culture and happens in society is the story Rapunzel. So if you're not familiar, in Rapunzel, uh, <laughs> there's a... Uh, what happens is this witch steals the princess, steals Rapunzel, traps her in a tower away from her kingdom. And the thing about really bad villains, the thing about the nasty devils that you really have to uh, unearth are that if they're really, really good at being bad, then they're going to, they're going to, the worst kind of villain is going to convince you that they're your friend. And those are the ones that um, are the most insidious and the, and the ones that end up really throwing you off your purpose and your path. And uh, this witch that stole Rapunzel is one of those devious demons that um, convinces Rapunzel that, the, that her prison is her refuge. She convinces her that um, her, her inheritance is her horror because she convinces her that the kingdom outside of the tower that is her greatest asset in life, she's a princess, she is royalty, she convinces her that that is her enemy, that she should fear it, that she should fear her greatest gift. And I think our society does this. We do this to each other. If you don't believe me, think about it. The thing that is that has the ability to make you the most money, to, to be your greatest gift, it's going to be the thing that's, that's weirdest about you. It's going to be the thing that's rare in society, and therefore it's going to be something that's abnormal about you. And we are taught to be ashamed of how we're different. And yet, it's the key to our greatest victories. And so you're just like Rapunzel in that way. You have, if you have something different about you, there has been people in your life that have pointed that out, made fun of it, uh, uh, told you it was bad, told you, you know, just in the same way that Mother Gothel, the witch, tells Rapunzel, don't go out of the tower. It's bad out there. Um, you've been told, don't look inside of yourself. It's bad in there. You're bad. You're nasty. You're different. You're weird. I'm going to just tell you right now one of those things for me that I still have a lot of shame wrapped up in it so much so that I don't even really want to share it with you because I don't want you to think of me this way but in an effort to give you permission to go to those caves that you fear to enter I'm going to be the first to share mine. I am very desperately uh attention hungry <laughs> and the funny thing about that confession and why it makes me laugh is because you already know it you know that I wouldn't put myself out there in the spotlight like I do be such a goofball be such a ham if uh, if I wasn't attention hungry so it's not news to you this confession right like you know nobody calls themselves Dr. Pizza if they don't want to be looked at right um, so you already know this about me uh, I I like to be in the spotlight and even admitting that, saying that, I cringe as I say it. But the truth is, do you know, I've the the most money that I've made in my life and and the key to financial thriving for me 
has been owning that thing about myself and helping other people get attention because because I'm so attention hungry, hungry, I've learned lots of techniques, lots of marketing, lots of, uh, lots of ways of being different, lots of ways of being loud. Uh, I know how to do that. It's a superpower of mine. I know how to get attention online. I know how to get attention in a room. And guess what? People pay me to get attention for them. Brands do it all the time. I think it's actually the number one superpower of my illustration is that it's really loud. You know, I think one of the reasons why Creative Pep Talk is what it is today is because it has really loud, different, weird, attention-grabbing uh, cover art. I've, ha- I've had people, lots of people say that they just found my podcast on iTunes and it just stood out because it looked different than all the other podcasts and that's why they gave it a shot. I've had Apple themselves have me sign a waiver that says that they can use my artwork in their products and that's why they featured my podcast on iTunes because of the cover art alone. And you know, it's something that in a way I've always been kind of ashamed of the fact that I'm attention hungry and ashamed of the fact that my artwork is the opposite of subtle. But you know, one of the ways that I realized that this was a superpower was I asked myself this question, what am I most ashamed of when it comes to my personality? And one of them is that I'm attention hungry. And when I noticed that about myself, when I went into that cave, when I asked myself, what am I ashamed of? I realized that it wasn't something to be ashamed of at all. And I realized that it was actually a superpower. It was actually something people paid me for. And the more I realized why people were paying me, the better job I could do. When I realized that, uh, that the fact that my work wasn't subtle, the fact that it was loud, and the fact that that's why people wanted it, I could actually play that up. I could actually do a better job of that. I could actually make it even more wow factor and more different and, and more fresh. And so ask yourself, you know, what are the things about you that are different? And a great way to get into there, great place to start is, what, what am I ashamed of? What are my shame points? And is there a way that these things that I've been convinced I was bad or convinced that I was uh, shameful, is there a way that they're actually really, truly my biggest superpower? And it's funny because even Superman uh, in in the, <laughs> the show Smallville was afraid of heights. Somehow he had had fear uh, wrapped up, possibly stopping him from from unlocking his most quintessential superpower, the superpower of flight. And so what parts of you are you afraid of? They might just be the cave that holds the treasure that unlocks your, uh, your greatest creative superpower. And uh, I just want to leave you with one more thing. When it comes to this discussion, you know, this discussion, by the way, the reason why I did this topic was I was talking with a friend who was going through some, uh, a tough point, some things really blew up in his creative career that, uh, in a bad way, like things are kind of devastating him and he doesn't really know exactly what he's going to do next. And, uh, it, 
and we had this long conversation and it kind of ended in, you know, well, what do you think you're really good at? How do you think you uh, really can affect the bottom line for businesses or companies or, you know, how can you create a new journey that really focuses on what you do best? And they had a really hard time coming up with exactly what it was clear that they added tons of value to everything that they did but they had a really hard time coming up with what it is they did what it is that they did that was so different and uh and and we realized that it was that there was also all this shame even even giving time to think about what they were good at and that that was maybe partially what stopped them from ever really owning their strengths ever really having that confidence ever really having that ability and the sad thing is just like superman your powers are limited by the knowledge you have of them you cannot be more powerful than you know you that you are you know clark kent on the farm isn't that impressive he's not he might be, you know, winning the county fair for the tractor pull, but his potential is to save the universe. And so in the same way, I want to speak to you guys. I want to speak to you, you who have, you know, an especially large amount of shame. You know, maybe you were brought up in a toxic religious environment. I don't think all religious environments are toxic, but I do think some of them are. Uh, and I, maybe you were brought up in a toxic house where you were, where you have an enormous amount of shame that you have to grapple with. And, uh, in those environments, I think a lot of people, uh, get taught that there's some kind of virtue and denying who they are, denying their strengths. Um, I, I think there is a, we don't have time to go in the fact that there are, there is virtue in denying things about yourself and, and, you know, laying down who you think you are. I think that's about laying down who you, your persona and, and finding your real true self. But we don't have time to go on to all that, the, the philosophy, theology, and all that kind of jazz. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, if you want to play it that way, if you want to play it with, you know, and this idea that the universe has gifted you with these talents and these and these superpowers and somehow you've been convinced that there's a there's that it's virtuous and honorable to uh, leave that gift unwrapped to leave your best self unearthed that somehow that's that's courageous or somehow that's virtuous or, or beautiful, I just want to call crap on that right now. That the worst thing you can do and the most disrespectful thing you can do to somebody who gives you a gift is to leave it unwrapped. How ungrateful, how, how disrespectful is that? No, a gift is given to be enjoyed and not just by you. It's not just about you finding the joy of enjoying these strengths and, and enjoying who you were meant to be. Uh, you know, it's not just about that. That gift wasn't, your gifts aren't just for you. They're for other people. And you're actually denying other people the joys of your best art. You're denying the, you by just allowing yourself just to be a super good creative farmer, 
think of all the people who you could have been impacting with being a superhero, a super creative hero. And uh, I really do believe, you know, I look over the past 10 years and I find that my life is meaningful by unwrapping these gifts. Just like Picasso said, the meaning of life is to find your gift. I believe that that is true. And I have found deep meaning in unwrapping my greatest strengths. And I hope that I still have lots of gifts to unwrap. I hope I haven't even found my greatest strengths yet because it brings so much meaning to my life to, to unearth these things. But if you can't convince yourself to do it for your own enjoyment and for your own meaning, then take that a little bit further and, and go to that second part of that Picasso phrase that we seem to visit so often on the podcast that the meaning of life is to find your gift, but the purpose of life is to give it away. And, uh, you know, maybe you can justify denying yourself knowing who you really are studying who you really are, unearthing who you really are and what your real potential is because you don't really deserve it. Maybe you can justify that, but I don't think you can justify denying the, uh, the blessing and the, and the, and the, the gift of giving these things away to other people. And so if you were brought up in some kind of toxic environment that that shamed you into denying how truly amazing you are because you are you've got you've got dna the world's never seen you've got things hidden deep within these caves of your psyche and in your dna that we need so get unwrapping get these gifts out because we need it I need you to be more than a super good farmer. We need you to fly. And if you don't know that you can, you won't. Thanks for listening. If you love Creative Pep Talk and it's had an impact on your creative career, there's a few ways you can support the show. You can review the show on iTunes, and, I, and if you have never done that, I highly suggest that you do. It is a game changer for getting the word out about Creative Pep Talk. Go to iTunes and review the show. Back the podcast financially at patreon.com slash Talk if you want to give some money every episode. Um, you can get Creative Pep Talk merch at creativepeptalk.com slash shop. That'll be open again on June 26, 2018, but it's not open while I'm in the UK. You can get access to the first 100 episodes of the show and stay up to date when new shows drop by signing up to the newsletter at creativepeptalk.com. Thank you to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Nate Utesh and the band Metavari for other tunes. Massive shout out and thanks to my man Alex Sugg for editing this show so beautifully and providing some of his tunes as well. Thanks to all of you guys for listening, and until we speak again, stay pepped up.